It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk with you here from Memorial Stadium. The Illini and the Michigan Wolverines coming up at 11 o'clock today. Lauren Tate is here as well. Also, Ed Bond and the Marching Illini working on their uh, pregame show out here on uh, Zupke Field at Memorial Stadium. Good morning, Mr. Tate. Good morning. A lot going on these days. October might be the best sports month of the, uh, of the year, don't you think? Yeah, baseball, football, volleyball, whatever, you know, we got it all. National League Championship Series started last night. Uh, not on a good note for the Cardinals. Got to tip your hat sometimes to the other guys. And uh, Annabelle Sanchez held the Cardinals to one hit in a 2 nothing victory for the Nationals. 2-10-1 for Washington. 0-1-0 for the Cardinals. Game two of that uh, best of seven series this afternoon at Bush Stadium at three. Another tough outing for uh, the uh, Cardinals. Max Scherzer on the mound against Adam Wainwright. There aren't going to be any easy ones, are there, when you get this far? No, that's for sure. And the Cardinals coming off that 10-run first inning in that uh, clinching game against the Braves. Mustered only one hit, but that's baseball, and that's kind of been the Cardinals' M.O. all season. Every regular in the last game scored, all nine starters. In this game, none of the nine starters had a hit. <laughs> if you have any uh, comments on uh, the baseball playoffs, feel free to jump in. 356-9397 is the number. We're here until 930. Our game day coverage begins at that time, and then we'll work our way through uh, the football game and the post game, and a lot going on here on this October Saturday. It looks like a good day to watch college football if you're undecided. There are tickets available for this 11 o'clock kick. Actually, it will kick at 11.06. Coming up on the show this morning on this early edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, we'll hear some comments from Dick Butkus. You probably heard some of those comments yesterday at, uh, from various sources. We've got some more for you here. We'll talk to uh, George Lundeen, the sculptor of the uh, Dick Butkus statue, which is magnificent, by the way. It really is. It's got it. I mentioned it's got great lean to it, and it's got, you know, on that one leg. And, I, I you know, I think it, I'm going to ask Lundin this, but it m must have been a lot easier to, to put him on two legs, you know, as, instead of having one leg up in the air. But but it looks so much better this way. It looks like he's running. I would imagine with the, just being on one leg that, uh, that he had a little bit of a challenge in, in, in weighting it and, and, you know, getting it sturdy. He, he'll tell you they got a whole bunch of stainless steel in there. It's a solid steel leg. <laughs> it's a 12-foot-tall statue up on about a, what, a four- or five-foot uh, stance, podium yep. kind of thing, yep. and 1,000 yep. pounds. So it's not going anywhere oh, for man. a while, but it is really uh, really something to see when you're in and around the Memorial Stadium to so stop by and see that. Of course, a lot of folks have been doing that with the Red Grange statue. Now you've got one on each side. Yeah, and two of the greatest players of all time. You know, that's interesting when you think about that. You've got... Uh, Maybe the best offensive player, you could argue that, because of mm -hmm. uh, eras. Same thing with defense, but mm -hmm. both of those guys coming from Illinois. 
Yeah, it's 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 amazing. Of course, with the Butkus thing, you know, Illinois had a had a real string of outstanding linebackers for a lot of years. It has kind of tailed off a little bit now. And and Butkus made an interesting statement. They said, "Would you speak to the team?" He said, "Well, even Nagy had asked him to speak to the Bears. He didn't want to speak to the teams anymore." But he said the last time he spoke for Illinois, and I didn't look this up. But he said we lost to Nebraska 66 to three. I don't know what it wasn't. It wasn't that bad, but it was in the 50s. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I was here for that game as you were. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, during the ceremony, he looked up and said, "We'll try to enjoy the second half." Well, you know, I I don't know if Butkus has ever seen Illinois win after he left. I don't know if he ever has, because obviously those early years in the first decade, of course, he was always he couldn't come to any of the games because he was with the Bears all that time, and and. Um, you know, I, it's just been unfortunate when he uh, has been here, and you know we faced that again today. Where were you when Butkus and Grabowski and those guys were playing? Were you back in Champaign or not? No, no, I missed Butkus. Okay. I, I caught Grabowski's end, but I mm-hmm. but I missed Butkus. I I was here in, in uh, Grabowski's senior year. Is I'm that right? No, wait a minute. I I think no, I think I missed him by one year. That's that's right. I I did I did not get here. I saw a lot of the games because I was coming down from Hammond, but mm-hmm. but uh, I did not uh, I did no, I did not co- uh, cover Butkus, and he was very difficult for me to contact afterwards because he didn't know me, and right. he he was kind of surly anyway, and he was never easy for the media. And he still isn't, but he's but yesterday was really good. He had yeah. a, we'll play you some cuts from his thirty minute uh, meeting with the press, and uh, it, it was really interesting. He told some some pretty good stories. He never liked the limelight. And even when he came back, it was difficult to get uh, interviews with him, and we managed to do that over the years. But uh, he just doesn't like the attention. No, he doesn't. He's he's uh, he's always been that way, and uh, and he. But he got going yesterday at the mic. He at first it looked like there was going to be a real short interview, didn't mm-hmm. it? And then all of a sudden he started talking about a lot of things. There was one question. He answered the question. Then there was a bit of a pause. He goes, "Okay." <laughs> he was thinking he was out of here, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he stayed as long as we wanted him to, and he had another. Well, he had several commitments around uh, during the day, but he had another place to get to at noon. What did he say when he asked him what he liked about football? I like kicking the stuffing out of people. Yep, I mean, you'll <laughs> hear that cut coming up. <laughs> he, he didn't he, say stuffing. You know, he didn't. <laughs> we won't even cut it because it, it wasn't terrible. But uh, it was. Uh, it was just Dick Butkus, you know. <laughs> That's what it was. Not many people could get by with that. <laughs> no. and say stuff like that and uh he's really good to talk to and he had a chance to uh to visit with lovey and some of the coaches and he, as you mentioned he said he doesn't talk to teams anymore he said kind of like what am i going to say yeah, a lot of those guys have heard of him but don't really know him but uh i, I think i was i was in high school when butkus was playing and and I was growing up in Ohio, so a, a big football fan. But I, I followed that and, uh, of course, followed his pro career as well. Just good stuff. The year they went to the – and, I, and I, again, I'm remembering this. I'm not looking anything up here. But the year they went to the uh, Rose Bowl and won the Rose Bowl against Washington, they played Michigan right here. Mm-hmm. And I was here. And and uh, and Michigan won on a fumble. Uh, uh, Illinois fumbled the ball deep in their own territory and lost a real close game. And 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 Bump Elliott again beat Pete. Pete up to that time had never beaten Bump in head to head. And I remember in the press and and I knew Pete at that time, Pete Elliott. And I instead of uh, he was so discouraged 
And I'll never forget, I, I didn't have, it wasn't my place to say this, but I said, Pete, you're going to win the Big Ten anyway. I said that, to, you know, you shouldn't say that to a coach, but I, I, I had a closeness with him. I mean, we had, I had met him. I was doing some recruiting for Illinois at that time up in, up, up, up in the region, and we had several players come down here, Jim Hicks and Lulu James and different players that came down here that I was, I was scouting for him. So we knew each other, and I said that, and sure enough, they came back and won whatever games were after that and, and went on to the Rose Bowl and won. And I think that was their only loss. I think they went 8-1-1. One, and one. If you have any Dick Butkus memories, feel free to jump in and share those with us, 356-9397. We'll hear from Dick Butkus coming up, George Lundeen at 8.30. Yesterday also on a busy Friday was Basketball Media Day. Had a chance to hear from Brad Underwood, Nancy Fay, the Illini women's coach, and talk to some uh, <coughs> Illinois players. We'll hear from them along the way as well. At uh, 9 o'clock, Sean Windsor, a reporter for the Detroit Free Press. He covers Michigan. He'll join us to talk about this Michigan football team that comes in uh, with just the one loss. They lost to um, Wisconsin in Madison. Got uh, pretty much manhandled in that ball game, and their offense has been a little questionable, but uh, Jim Harbaugh thinks uh, that might be coming around. They uh, won last week against Iowa. 10-3 to was the score of that ball game. Yeah, well, what do, what do you see? What would be your idea of, of, of anything Illinois could do to win this game? Well, that's a good question because it doesn't appear that, uh, that Brandon Peters will play in this game. No official word on that yet, but it doesn't look likely. So whoever starts, and we're guessing it'll be Matt Robinson, will be making his first collegiate start against uh, the winningest program in college football, the Michigan Wolverines. So some big odds there, and the odds went to uh, 24 now on the, the folks in Vegas. How many people are, I'm well, not here, answering your question. I get that, but. Here's the problem. They're going to they're gonna blitz about half the time, Rod Smith says. About half the time they're bringing people. Sure. And they're in man-to-man -man coverage all the time. And not all the time, but a lot of the time. And Illinois receivers simply haven't been able to get any kind of separation and get open for, for passes. If you can't complete, if they overload, he said that Minnesota brought as many as eight mm -hmm. within the tackles, eight men in the box. When you do that, you have to complete passes. You have to. There is no other choice. You can't get Corbin free if they're bringing in eight. And, and Michigan's going to bring in a whole bunch, and they're going to defy you and make you pass the ball. And you mentioned they couldn't get separation, and then – in the few times they did, they dropped the ball. They, they had too many Well, drops. they did. Both teams dropped the ball yeah. that day for some reason. I don't know whether, you know, I don't know. the. Re it was wet that day, but not that wet. They shouldn't have, you know, but both teams dropped the ball for yeah, some reason. It was wet prior to the game, but not really wet during the game, and the, the balls were dry, certainly. But uh, it would take uh, some major mistakes by Michigan, I would think, in this ball game, uh, being a heavy favorite. And uh, now is Michigan looking ahead to whatever's next? Who knows? But uh, it's been a while since we've seen the Wolverines here. And uh, this game kicks off at 11.06 with the Illini, the heavy underdog. Also today in the Big Ten, Maryland, a three-point favorite at Purdue. Rutgers plays at Indiana. Hoosiers, a 27-point pick there. Michigan State at Wisconsin. That'll be a tough one. That'll be a hard-fought game. The Badgers are ranked number eight. They're a 10-point favorite. That game at 2.30. Penn State, a three-point favorite on the road. That could be a good game at Iowa. Oh, yeah. It's tough oh, to yeah. play at Iowa. Yeah. That's a night game at 6.30. And then Nebraska and Minnesota, I was a bit surprised that Minnesota is a touchdown favorite. I think that started as a three-point favorite, but the Gophers a slight favorite over the uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers 
tonight at 6.30 up in uh, Minneapolis. We've got a bunch of high school football scores. We'll pass those along along the way. Basketball media, media day, Dick Butka's comments, all that and more. Your, your phone calls are welcome as well, 356-9397. An early edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're at Memorial Stadium. We'll take our first time out and be back after this. Stay with us. Join us later this morning after Saturday Sports Talk at 9.30. It'll be Illini game day from Grange Grove with Scott Beatty. 11 o'clock kickoff, Illinois and Michigan. Saturday Sports Talk continues from the press box at Memorial Stadium with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line open, 356-9397. Marching Illini still on the field, getting tuned up, so to speak, for their uh, show coming up uh, pregame and halftime today here against uh, Michigan. That game kicks off at 11.06. Going to hear some Dick Butka's comments in a moment. Here's some of the high school scores. Week 7, kind of hard to believe we're it's practically over. Almost over on the high school football season. Another great the, day for Champaign-Urbana. Until huh? the playoffs. <laughs> the news is not good. Thornridge beats Centennial 26-18. Centennial now 0-7 on the season. Peoria beats Champaign Central 64-27. Peoria Richwoods 43, Urbana 20. Unity beats St. Thomas Moore 42-30. Bismarck Henning, Rossville Alvin over Oakwood 35-6. Bloomington Central Catholic 28, Rantoul 14, Chillicothe IVC 33, St. Joseph Ogden 12, Dwight beat Iroquois West 45-13, Gibson City Melvin Sibley over Leroy 42-0, Muhammad Seymour beat Charleston 20-12, Danville had a lead late, but Normal Community stayed unbeaten and beat uh, Danville's Vikings 22-19, Clifton Central 29, Paxton Buckley Loda 14, Monticello 59, Pontiac 7. Monticello's back in the playoffs, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Certainly close to getting oh, yeah. the playoff ready. Prairie Central over Olympia 48-7. Arthur Lovington at Wood Hammond 44. Sagamon Valley 13. Seneca beat Watsika 20-6. Arcola 62, Tri-County 20. Tuscola beat uh, Warrensburg-Latham 40-7. Villagrove Heritage 14-10 over Cumberland. Decatur St. Teresa beat Sullivan 56-6. Those are some of the high school scores. The rest of the scores and more coverage in today's News Gazette. Matt Daniels and his staff always doing an outstanding job covering area high school football in week number seven. Week number seven of the Big Ten season today as well. Let's hear some of Dick Butkus's comments yesterday. As we mentioned before the break, you've probably heard some of these if you watched some news over the uh, last 24 hours, but uh, some uh, subjects that are kind of interesting to hear uh, the Hall of Famer and one of the best football players ever talk about. Here's what he had to say about the statue that uh, was unveiled yesterday. Join us tonight, Illini Volleyball at 7 o'clock. Tim Dippman has the play-by-play action. Illinois and Indiana Volleyball from Huff. Back with you on Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk from Memorial Stadium. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate here at the uh, press box as we get set for the uh, ball game today. Had a little technical difficulty there. We were listening to uh, Dick Butkus talk about having a statue unveiled in his honor. We'll get back to that sound bite. Uh, we've got a caller or two waiting, so stand by for that. But here again is Dick Butkus. Yeah, we're, we're having some issues here. So well, let's go to the phones. GB and Urbana, go ahead. Yeah. Hello? You're on the air. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I've been well. I've been here. Since, my first game was with uh, Jim Valak here and all that, Dean Volkman and all that, and Harsmith. So that tell, tells you where I feel about all this. Who's doing the game for ABC today? Herb Street? No. It oh, is uh, Dave Posh, I believe. Let me uh, see here. Who, who's the, Dave Posh, uh, Greg McElroy is the analyst, and uh, Tom Luganbill is doing the sidelines. Well, at least Herb Street's not going to be here making fun of us here, at least and all that. Anyway, uh, I would, uh, you know, there's, I, before I, I mean, there's a lot of down on the field problems here, but I think where it all starts, I think upstairs, the guys, uh, the four guys that just got raises here about three weeks ago and all that, uh, they don't really give a hoot about Illinois. And, uh, it starts with Mr. Jones, the chief Illini Wick haters, and they, they don't care anything about the chief Illini. I, that's where it starts all right there. It doesn't start down the field. And it goes right down to the field. But that's where it all starts right there. Those guys, all they care about is stuffing their pockets. But anyway, that's how I feel about it. It's pretty sick to me. And, I'm, you know, and – uh that's all I have to say about it. All right. Appreciate you taking time to call. You know, Lauren, I'm glad right. Dick Butkus is not in the booth right now because with these uh, technical difficulties, he might take a shot at us. But here he is again talking about that uh, statue. Well, it's a very humbling experience, to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, I didn't come here to play and get a statue, you know, after I was done. But uh, So it's very humbling, and uh, teammates should be involved in this and, be thought of also when they look at the statue. So it's a humbling deal. The hell can you say? It's usually for some dead people. You know, I, I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I had fun knocking the shit out of people, you know? So so if it was that unusual, I guess you, you take it, you know? They always candid Dick Butkus at the press conference yesterday. So any other thoughts uh, after visiting with him, Lauren, yesterday? What I thought he would be, I, I he's... he's uh, Always been uh, reluctant, you know, as far as the media is concerned, and yet he uh, he goes through with it very often, and and uh, seems to be, uh, you know, as as when he was in the Hall of Fame or when he had his number uh, retired, he was, uh, you know, he says what he feels, and and uh, he, he's he's real. Uh, he was a tremendous football player, and uh, you know, Illinois has had so few really great seasons. This was one of them. I mean. They they went to the Rose Bowl and won the Rose Bowl and of course they won that fabulous uh, final season game uh, when President uh, Kennedy was was assassinated and the game was delayed and they went up to Michigan State and, and won that game I think they shut them out something like thirteen to nothing I'm not sure and and uh, that was uh, that was a game where Butkus you know it was a defensive era and he was the best of the defenders. Here's more from Dick Butkus. I just had that self motivation I think. It's just when I'd watch people or whatever, uh, whatever they did wrong, I said, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to turn it around because that didn't help them do this and do that. You know, I went to uh, a vocational high school uh, in Chicago, which allows you to go to, go the, to the school when you're not in their district. And uh, a buddy of mine that we grew up with since kindergarten, he says, hey, they got, they got a good coach over there, Bernie O'Brien at CVS. I said, let's go. We're going. So we got to the city championships uh, two years later. So 
everything was geared for me. I was very fortunate. I knew I was tunnel vision. I knew what I wanted to do, and uh, and I lucked out, and I uh, was able to do what I wanted to do, up to a certain point, and then then the injuries came. So that sometimes is a, is a sign to say it's over. So that's why I'm not. You know, I try not to be so macho with the cane, but I got this neuropathy, and it's like I'm drunk all the time. I mean, without drinking, and believe me, that's not fun. I'd rather be drunk and wobble, but uh, I cannot. You know. It's uh, it's tough, so I gotta look like I'm 80 years old here. You know, uh, when Dick played, he was around 230. Most of the tackles in that era, offensive tackles, were maybe 250, mm. you know, 240, 250, maybe a, a occasional 260. Th what I'm getting at is that he was big enough to deal with blockers coming out on him. Their offensive linemen are so much bigger now, <laughs> and linebackers are pretty much the same. Linebackers have always been, um, well, that, that's not true. And when he played, he was a big linebacker. There weren't many two th 230s. Most of them were 210, 220 at that time in the mid-60s. But um, he he just was, he could deal with people, you know, he didn't have to be, deal with a lot of bigger people than he was, and he was much quicker and much more aggressive than, than anybody. He'll be at the game today, Illinois and Michigan, at 11 o'clock here at Memorial Stadium. We'll talk more about the Butka statue with the guy that created it, George Lundeen, coming up. We'll take a time out here as we approach the bottom of the hour. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on DWS continues after this. Hi, this is Kyle Knopsiger from Muhammad Seymour High School Cross Country. Read all about prep sports with Colin Likas in the News Gazette and NewsGazette.com. Welcome back, everybody. Saturday Sports Talk presented by Illini Pella, the Pella Window Store in Champaign and other locations around central Illinois. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line is open, 356-9397. We're at Memorial Stadium, where the Illini take on the Michigan Wolverines in Big Ten action here uh, later this morning. Heard some comments from Dick Butkus before the break about uh, his statue unveiling yesterday. And if you're coming to the game or you're down around campus, make sure to make a swing by the east side there to see that statue. It's, uh, it's really uh, magnificent. The man that uh, sculpted it is a U of I graduate, George Lundeen, on the line with us this morning. Good morning, George. How are you? Well, good morning. How are you guys doing, Steve? We're hanging in there, and uh, that's quite a piece of art. And uh, we'd like to get some of the, the details and on how long it took you to, to do that, what it was like working with Dick Butkus. How was he as a subject? Well, Dick, uh, Dick originally was a pretty tough subject because he uh, he didn't want to be sculpted, and so he didn't pay me much attention the first time I met him. And then after Josh talked to him, of course, Josh told him, you know, this is a uh, this is more of an honor for the University of Illinois than it was for him. And, and Dick was a team guy, and he said, well, I'd like you guys to do my whole team. And uh, I said, well, we can't do that. <laughs> But anyway, he finally talked Dick into it, and it was great. And I got to know Dick a little bit. Went out to L.A., and I was able to shoot some pictures of him and and uh, see which. I made a few different designs at first, and I, I took him out to L.A. and showed Dick. And, of course, he picked out the one he liked the best, and I said, that's great. And then Dick looked at me, and he said, well, we can't pick it out yet. I've got to call my wife and show her a picture of it. <laughs> so. <laughs> So he sent he sent the three models uh, photographs to her. She picked out the same one he did. Thank goodness. 
and we we then started off and and went full tilt. Took us about a year and a half to uh, to get it all sculpted up in clay and make molds of it, cast it in bronze, and and uh, bring it out. So when you you start out with a design, a, a piece of art, I would guess, and then take some pictures, as you mentioned, of what you you're thinking. Did once you start, did it change at all? Did you say, well, you know, maybe I don't like that. Let's tweak it here and there. Oh sure, sure. And the more I, the more I worked on it, we do a we do a small model first, and this one I did in uh, what we'd call one one third scale, which the figure then is about twenty six inches tall. And every time I would start to mess with it, I'd think I need to lean him over a little bit farther, give him a little bit more action. And the more I did that, the more I got scared of all the mm-hmm. cantilever and weight I was putting out in the front. So I ended up having to make the base larger. And then I was able to uh, incorporate in the big one about 800 pounds of stainless steel that go through his leg. And that's what actually holds him up because his whole figure is way out in front of the uh, way out in front of the base. Well, you know, I think that's what makes it uh, all the more impressive, uh, George, because uh, that lean is, is uh, you know, that's the thing that caught me. If you're under it and you look up, he's really leaning out. How And uh, I can't imagine, uh, wouldn't it have been a lot easier to have both legs down, I mean, for you? Oh, you bet, you bet. But when you watch Dick play, you watch his highlight films, I don't know if he was ever on both feet, except when the yeah. uh, ball was first snapped. After that, he was moving. I mean, his feet were off the ground, and and when he hit you, you were hoping that he had at least one foot on the ground. Otherwise, that meant he was airborne and you were gone. <laughs> well, how does it differ from the Red Grange statue? Well, this one, this one is tougher because the fella's still alive, so I didn't have to worry about Red Grange and. You know, having to have Red come up and say, "Well, you know, you got my nose right," but uh, Dick was Dick was really good, really gracious. Uh, uh, it, it's funny because people's features, although you get older and, and uh, sometimes you get a little bit heavier or whatever, your your skull doesn't change. A lot of your features don't change. So it was nice to have somebody there that I could measure up and uh, and really see what uh, what they looked like. I had him put his hand on a copy machine, and, uh, you know, you shake hands with Dick Butkus. It's like shaking hands with a big smoked ham. (laughs) I mean, it is. It is. He's got, you know, he's got some hands on him. He's got hands the size of Arnold Palmer's. So, you know, they're big big mitts. George, I know you probably may not want to answer this, but a lot of people are asking how much did, what's the cost of that? What that that statue is such a a long term thing, and uh, can you give us an idea? Uh, yeah, it doesn't cost very much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> well, uh, no, what they're, are you- they're very they're very expensive to make, and. Uh, University of Illinois and the, the donor, the Joyce's, were wonderful people to work with. Uh, tell me, uh, what are you working on now? Did, did I hear? Are you doing something on Amelia Earhart? Oh yeah, we've got we've got an Amelia Earhart piece going. She's seven feet tall. She every every state has two two sculptures in the Capitol building in Washington D.C. and Kansas uh, replaced their two sculptures. Here in the last few years, they put in uh, Dwight Eisenhower 
and then they uh, they put in uh, they will put in Amelia Earhart. Right now we have Amelia Earhart's all finished, and we're just waiting for the uh, the plan to install her in the Capitol building. How so many do you thing. do in, in the course of a year? How many can you do you do with multiple statues at the same time? Well, we're we're always making statues because a, a number of these pieces are done in their editions. So we'll make more than one of, of some of them. Uh, Dick Butkus will probably be a one of a kind here in Illinois. Um, but something like Amelia Earhart will make more than one of those because we've already had uh, a lot of questions from different airports around the world that would like to see Amelia Earhart uh, be in their airport. Uh, we, we just finished another piece of a guy named Davy Crockett hmm. for, uh, for a, a little place called the Alamo. And that was a, that was a lot of fun to do, Davy. And We're so we, we George, tend to stay busy. Visiting with George Lundin, a sculptor based out in Colorado. You did some work for NASA as well with Apollo 11, correct? Oh, we did. That was that was a really exciting project. We did the three three fellows that went to the moon. We did Michael Collins, Neil Armstrong, and and Buzz Aldrin. And Neil Neil has been gone for a few years, but. Uh, when we were finished up with the clay, we had uh, Neil or had Buzz Buzz Aldrin show up at the studio one afternoon, and he was just great. He's still a ball of fire, 88 years old, and you can't slow him down. He looked up at his own sculpture and he said, "Well, you got the ears right." <laughs> Thanks a lot, Buzz. Is there? We had a lot of stories. It's wonderful to meet those guys. Is there a, a sculpture, a statue that was? especially more difficult, perhaps, than, than others, or they, they're all kind of different in their own ways? Well, they're, they're all different. Some, some are a challenge to design, uh, get, to try to get an, uh, uh, a design that somebody's going to look at from a distance and say, I want to walk over there and see what that looks like. And then, of course, you have to add the details to them. But, but um, you know, after you do this for about 50 years, it uh, becomes easier, and I've got some great help. I've got some uh, really good uh, people that work with me, and, and it's always fun to work with some of these young people that, that want to be sculptors, and, and they really really put their hearts into it. It's well, George, how did you get into the sculpting in the first place? I mean, I know you went to the University of Illinois. Did you plan to do something like this, or were you headed in another direction? Well, no. When I came, to, I, I came out of Nebraska, small school in Nebraska, and I'd learned how to do some bronze casting at that small school, and I was already doing some figurative sculpture. But I, I ran into a, a magazine one time uh, that was out of Chicago uh, that Hugh Hefner had, and there was an article in there about a guy named uh, Frank Gallo. Yeah. And I, I looked at his stuff, and, and I said, man, that, that's really neat stuff. So I called, up, I called up Playboy magazine and got a hold of this guy named Art Wall that was the art director, and ask him about this guy. And he said, well, he said, he teaches school down in Champaign. He's a friend of mine. Here's his home phone number. So I called Frank up and, and he said, send me some slides. And he said, I'll see what I can do. And he called me back two weeks later and said, I've got a assistantship for you here at the University of Illinois. Come on out here in the middle of August. And off we went. We had a great time. And he was a wonderful, wonderful mentor and, and became a very good friend. When uh, you finished with the Dick Butkus statue and you had to get it from Colorado to Champaign-Urbana, did you just put it on a flatbed and, and uh, <laughs> send it that way? And I wonder if was it covered I, or not. 
I did. I did. I, my guys got our forklift out. And we flipped him over. He was standing up in the back of our studio. <laughs> so we flipped him over, put him on his back, and loaded him onto my car trailer. We can't put a tarp over him because that, that would flap all the way out and, and tend to wear on the patina a little bit. So we like to keep him open, and we just strap him down. And you should have seen these truckers as we're going down the interstate. I'm going about 75 miles an hour. They're doing 80. They pass me, and every one of them puts on their brakes. They they take their telephone, put it out the window, and try to take a picture of Big Buck just laying down there with his with his arms straight up in the air. It was pretty cool. By the way, uh, you had a tough time holding that tarp yesterday, didn't you, with the wind blowing? Oh, my goodness. I forgot how much the wind blows in Illinois. <laughs> and thank goodness I had some good people helping me i had three ladies in back and a couple of football players in the front and it was, it was terrific we had a, we still had a great time you probably had the same kind of reaction from motorists along the highway when you brought red over too didn't you oh absolutely absolutely but people knew who dick was on this one and of course they all said well i thought he was number 51 i said <laughs> well he was but he was 51 with the Bears, but by golly, when he was a fighting Illini, he was number 50. You mentioned Amelia Earhart. What else are you working on that you're excited about? Uh, well, we, we're uh, our next big project, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to work on a soldier that, uh, that uh, was from Colorado. He was a two-star general. He was... He was the uh, highest-ranking officer to be killed in World War II, and he came. Uh, he was—I can't say he ever got famous, but they named a hospital after him in Denver. And a fellow wants me to do a statue of him for the Capitol building in Colorado. And as it turns out, he was also the only Jewish general in the U.S. Armed Forces at that time. So it's really kind of a neat deal, and, and you talk about a handsome guy that led, and he led from the front, not from the back, like so many generals, and that's what that's what uh, did him in. But his uh, his soldiers all loved him, so I've been able to interview some of the soldiers that he had in his uh, battalion, and it, it should be a really really neat project, and I have to figure out a good design for that one. George, one of the one of the great statues I can recall back to World War II that you mentioned here uh, was the uh, raising of the flag at I I Iwo Jima. Who did you that? Bet. Who did that? Uh, that was a, a fellow named Felix, and he was a great guy. He was a member of the National Sculpture Society with me, and he passed away oh probably seven, eight, nine years ago. But. Uh, I believe he was on a ship in World War II and and got the idea, but he became mm -hmm. a sculptor after after he was a soldier. Uh, really nice guy. That was a famous one, wasn't it? Oh, boy. Oh, boy, yeah. Those Marines on, on top of uh, Mount Suribachi raising that flag. That's a great sculpture. Hey, George, we, we appreciate some, your we time. We have a lot of great sculpture in the United States. Yep, well, I'd like to thank you guys. I'd like to thank the University of Illinois and the cities of Champaign-Urbana because they, they took care of me 45 years ago, and they still do today. It's great. <laughs> well, thanks for taking time with us. We'll, we'll speak with you soon. Thank you. Great statue, right, George. You. Great job. Thank well, you. Thanks a lot, fellas. I sure appreciate it. Bye-bye. George Lundeen, sculptor of the Toots statues outside Memorial Stadium, Red Grange, and now 
Dick Buckus, a reminder, when you come to the game today, it's on the east side of the stadium, outside of the, the new uh, Smith Performance building, which was also officially dedicated later yesterday. So yeah. there was yeah. a lot going on, wasn't there? Yeah, and uh, that uh, that Buckus thing, everybody that goes down 4th Street now is just going <laughs> to... I'm going to say there's going to be accidents <laughs> for people looking up at that thing and running into the car next to them, which is also stop looking at it, you yeah. know. But it's, uh, it's worth the drive down there, and certainly if you're coming to the game, take a walk by there in your pregame uh, travels around uh, the tailgate areas. Also yesterday, basketball media day. We're getting close now for yep. hoops. Won't be long. Brad Underwood, Nancy Fay met uh, with the media. Here's some of Brad Underwood's comments about his third team. I love the fact we've got expectations. Illinois basketball is, is deserving of that. Uh, our players are deserving of that. And it's, it's, it's time for us to, uh, to grow into those. And it, it's not easy. Winning is not an easy thing, especially in the Big Ten. And uh, I'm excited about uh, uh, an early season road trip uh, where we are going to get tested against two very, very good basketball teams. Uh, and then an opportunity to come home and play some, some, some great teams at home. Uh, and, and as we continue to build, We've got two very, very good Big Ten opponents, uh, both picked ahead of us. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm excited for the fact that uh, uh, this team gets met with some challenges early and, and some different opportunity, and we're working every day to prepare for those now and, and uh, looking forward to uh, the start of getting this thing going here in, in a few weeks. It won't be long. They had a, an open practice and uh, did a little scrimmaging late yesterday afternoon, early last evening. Yeah, it was an impressive scrimmage, and uh, we're seeing Io and, and uh, Feliz and, and uh, Frazier at those guard slots. Uh, they've got three really uh, outstanding guards in terms of scoring and, and setting up each other, and, of course, the two big guys inside. I don't know what the starting lineup is going to be. I mean, it'll be adjusted as after the third minute anyway. Uh, there'll be guys in and out. Griffin uh, has, has certainly shown a lot of improvement, and, and I don't think we learned anything new other than I thought yesterday there, uh, there was that Kofi Cockburn probably, Coburn that is, uh, probably showed a little more. He, he's got such uh, good agility and, and uh, ability to run. He said, by the way, in 2015, in the summer of 2015, he grew six inches. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of growth in one summer. He also said when he made his visit, uh, he couldn't believe how happy Georgie was. That's right. That, that attracted him, didn't it? It, it may, may have been uh, what sealed the deal. I don't know. <laughs> but a lot of talk about uh, Kofi Coburn. Here's what uh, some of what he had to say yesterday. Um, things have been great. Love my guys. You know, we, we bonded over the summer. Um, we had summer practices and summer classes and stuff. So I knew most of the guys before I even came here. So I knew Georgie from back home in New Jersey. He lived in New Jersey. I knew Allen. I played on the same team with him. So when I came here, it wasn't really a shock or like anything weird. Like I already knew them. I knew they were good guys, and they wanted to get better. So we're on the same mission. You don't normally see teams like that with teams with, with two players like that with me, like me and Georgie. We both offensively good. We're big, so we're gonna have a big impact on defense. So we both communicate. We both have. We're gonna have a high impact on the game. I don't think you're convinced yet, Lauren, how that's gonna work. Uh, with both those guys on the floor at the same time, and it's not going to be all the time. So. Well, there's 40 minutes in a game, right. and I would imagine that there might be 
15 or 20 that they would be in together. And if it works, and that'll be determined by uh, early games and, and just how, you know, how they appear. But I think uh, there will be extensive periods of time when, when uh, each of them will be the only center in the game. But I, I think that probably uh, – I would I imagine Kofi's going to play about 20 minutes, and I think probably uh, Georgie's going to play about 30. Here's Georgie on that subject. <laughs> He's going to help me so much that he will take so much space, and the bigger players will have to guard him. Who will guard me from the opponent? You know, I will still, still go back to the block. And, who will be able to guard me from the smaller players, you know? It just makes more challenging to the opponents to uh, find out ways to guard us at the same time. So I think uh, it will be really, really fun for us. There was a great emphasis, tremendous emphasis yesterday on getting the ball into the post. Not all successful. Uh, that's always a problem because, um, you know, this is something that, that players have to learn after they get here. They're not, they're not, you know, star players in high school aren't worried about throwing the ball into the post for somebody else. Right. And, and we're not very good at it, really. Um, weren't very good at it last year. And But when we did get the ball to, uh, to Georgie, he could really score. Now, he didn't get many scoring opportunities yesterday because I just – you've got to move – you, you got to move Kofi around if you're going to – and, and a part of the time they were playing against each other, a part of the time they were with each other. So I'm sure that um, uh, Underwood is, is working out both to see what's going to be best, and they're going to do both. And they're going to play some zone when they're both in there, and they're not going to play zone when they're not in there. So there's, there's all kinds of things happening right now, and, and it's, it's all about a fit. And, and all I know is, and, and I said this, and I know that there are examples at Purdue and other places where this isn't true, but when you play two centers, sometimes you're better off to play smaller. I mean, we've seen this over time that your smaller lineup is very often your best lineup. But when you have big players, you just want to play them, and you have to, you know, you you got to see if it works. Well, it certainly gives you the options of oh, doing yeah. some different things. It and might get a little clogged up. You're going to see a small lineup out there, and you're going to see a big lineup right. out there at different times. Of course, this team is Io Dusumu's team. Had a chance to visit with him for a minute or two. I feel like this is a very different team in effect of our depth. Like, our whole team is different. Our size is different. We have different size um, you know it's a different roster and I feel like it's going to help us a lot rebounding wise we have a Kofi in there Georgia to four now we can actually rebound what do you work on the most in your game during the summer worked on my uh, my, my jump shot and my dribble my move on the dribble a lot of expectations do you hear that out in the community and around the state yeah I mean I hear that a lot but that really doesn't I don't get that to me because I feel like the work you put in is going to show Talk to me a little bit about uh, Andres Feliz. He's a guy that kind of flies under the radar, but he's a key guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's a very key guy on our, on our team. Um, he does a little thing. He's a, a great glue guy, great great player. And Kofi, your thoughts of him so far? Uh, he's been he's been great for us. He, he's learning. He's coming in, working, and um, he's just trying to get better. For a man that size, I understand he runs the floor pretty well. Yeah, he did, does. did that surprise you? No, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. He, he's so big, so his strides are so long. <clears throat> That's Io DeSumu at the media day yesterday. And he uh, he is 20 pounds heavier. 190 now. And uh, solid. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he looks like a pro. He, he, uh, he uh, was especially good in the 10 practices and, and at, in Italy. Uh, now, I, 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 he was good yesterday. He didn't do anything spectacular yesterday. He took an awful fall, by the way, Steve. I thought, boy, he, he went in for a for a, a layup, you know, a breakaway. And, and it's one of those things where if you've seen it enough, you hold your breath mm -hmm. because he's in the air and he just got 
The ball got blocked, and he just got turned just a little bit, and, man, he hit that floor hard, and I thought he hit his face. And he was down on the court for a couple of minutes, and but he came back later and played, so he was like, boy, that was a tough spill. And, you know, I'd have a rule. As a coach, I'd have a rule. When a guy's on a breakaway, don't hit him because when he's in the air, he's helpless. And he was running as hard as he could, and he goes up, and then just he didn't he didn't get hit hard. He just got touched enough that it just threw him a little bit off, and he didn't land right. And he really hit the floor awfully hard. Well, a lot of the talk going into this uh, season is not only about the guards, Io and Feliz, and of course Trent Frazier, a uh, veteran guy there, but about the, the length, the size of uh, the roster. Brad Underwood talked a little about that yesterday. We're going to look better in the airport, and we're going to look better on the court. We have seven guys with 6'10 length or better, and that's something that, uh, that we're excited about. You know, we try to recruit length. Uh, sometimes I think size can be can be over exaggerated uh, of, of its importance. Yes, it is. It, there's value in it. Uh, but you start putting Kofi out there with seven six wingspan, and you start putting Jermaine out there with seven four, and 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 Georgie with seven one and a half, and Demonte Williams is just unusually long for a six four guy. He's got a seven foot wingspan. And, um, you know, that plays to your advantage, and it would be foolish for us not to utilize that. So, you know, I feel great about where we're at in terms of physically looking the piece and being able to compete night in and night out physically. That's Brad Underwood at Basketball Media Day yesterday talking about the, the size and the fact also he mentioned that how, how well Kofi runs the floor. Kofi has lost some weight. He's down to down to 286 <laughs> 9% body fat. He's pretty solid. It was interesting, you know, he said that he used to play guard, you know, when he was a kid, but he grew so big, and, and uh, he's only been in basketball about four years or so, four or five years, and and he's um, he's a prospect. I think you don't expect too much from him, but he's going to be a He's going to be able to neutralize that other big guy on the other side, which we, which in the Big Ten you run into those guys. <laughs> I mean, I, what did he say? Uh, the first two games he's going to go up against Teske and and uh, Smith yeah. of Maryland. Mm -hmm. Teske, of course, from uh, Michigan, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna be tough for him because, um, it, but at least he can. I think he can hold his own in there. <laughs> I know he can hold his own physically. Now yeah. foul trouble. Again, foul trouble is, is a consideration. You know, you can just see the first game where he's on the block and they throw the ball into him and he moves a little bit and the guy behind him falls down. It's a foul on him because when he moves his body, he just he, he just roots people out. Young guys get older. Yeah. We know that, don't we? <laughs> and uh, one of those guys is Trent Frazier. He's now a junior. I had a chance to visit with him for a minute or two. I'm an old guy now. You know, I got that old guy striped, so I mean – there's nothing wrong with that. Like you said, I'm a veteran now. Um, I've been here for three years. I, you know, I know everything coaches want. Coaches want out of this team. I know what he wants to do. I know, you know, the plays and everything. Uh, my biggest thing right now is just continue to be a leader. Because uh, you know that veteran, that's what I need to do, and that's what's going to help this team win. So, for me, just just being more dialed in. You know, uh, with, with just talking more on defense. You know, just being that communicator. You know, and uh, it starts with me. A lot of people think basketball is a guard game, and uh, what do you feel about this group of guards you got going here? I mean, I love Io and uh, uh, Dre. You know, those are two unbelievable players. Um, the thing I like about them most, you know, we, we get after each other every day. Uh, defensively, uh, we attack each other offensively. You know, we, we don't take plays off at each other. We always try to go at each other next. Um, and uh, I think that's going to that's gonna be good for this team in the long run because, you know, 
it starts with us, really. Um, and I think we've done an unbelievable job with that, you know, just communicating with each other, just leading this team, you know, just being more dialed in and practice, you know, and uh, just getting better. With that said, though, it's nice to have a couple guys like Georgie and Kofi inside. Oh, for sure. You know, those are two unbelievable players. I mean, I mean, I, 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 they, they might be the dynamic, you know, duo inside that paint this year. Um, the thing I like about the most, you know, they they go after each other. You know, you know, Georgie, Georgie knows he, he's not afraid of nobody, and um, the enthusiasm and the energy he brings to practice every day is is it's great for this team. And you know, Kofi, you know, Kofi, you know, he he doesn't go by the you know I'm a freshman uh, little rule thinking. You know, he, he he tries to kick everybody's butt. He doesn't care, and um, and I think that's what's great about this team. Everybody gets after each other and wants to get better. That's Trent Frazier, Illini guard, going into his third season on the Illinois basketball team. Of course, yesterday was media day for the women's team as well. Nancy Fay entering her third season as head coach of the Fighting Illini. Here are some of her comments. First two years where a lot of people want to go, what happened, what happened? I keep telling you, those kids did move the needle. You all may not have seen it. I saw it. So I never want to discredit all those players at Lina that came before it. The difference is we know each other. I know them. I know the Big Ten better and the recruiting better. Everything is just accelerated. And so that the one thing you know at year three, we know each other so well so that when I push and I push them, there's a relationship that's already off the court that helps create an environment. You can't push people you don't know. I, I'll tell you as a coach, if you don't know them as people and you try to push them all around the court, you will get pushed back. Sometimes I want to push the fast forward button these first two years, and sometimes you can't because it's just what you have to do the right way. And so those first two, two, two years, as hard as they were, the needle was moved, and I think that's what you sometimes I know and I appreciate. But we want to see it on the court as much as you guys, and that's what we're pushing for. That's a lot of my women's basketball coach, Nancy Fay as her season gets near as well. We're approaching the top of the hour, WDWS Champaign-Urbana on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And one of the new products at the Pella Window Store is called Lifestyle. It's packed with innovation, including the option for their best between the glass blinds and shades with triple glazing. Pella Lifestyle has style flexibility with a wide variety of inside and outside colors available. There are also performance options to improve energy efficiency and reduce outside noises. You can see the latest product at your local Pella Window Showroom. They're located in Champaign at 1001 North Country Fair Drive. Window and door specialists can help you find the right Pella product for your home and budget. So stop by the Pella and see the Pella, Pella Lifestyle product at the Pella Window Showroom at 10,000. One North Country Fair Drive, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them at PellaOfChampagne.com. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Saturday by appointment. We'll take a timeout. We'll kick off our second to half hour this week of Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll talk more about this football game, Illinois and Michigan, after this. Stay with us. Hi, this is Isaac Brown from Judah Christian High School Football. You'll find tons of prep sport photos and videos at NewsGazette.com. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you from uh, the press box at Memorial Stadium. This game getting underway just about uh, two hours from right now. Illinois and Michigan in Big Ten action. We're going to talk more about the Wolverines now. Sean Windsor from the Detroit Free Press is heading to the ball game and is on the line with us. Good morning, Sean. How are you? Not too bad, uh, Steve. Thanks for having me on. 
No problem. I want to talk about uh, this Michigan team uh, through uh, the first part of the season. Uh, their offense seems uh, to be a little bit uh, lacking, or not lacking, but uh, certainly a little bit behind their defense. Jim Harbaugh said this week he feels like the offense might be coming around, but your take on what you've seen from the Wolverines thus far. Well, I think that when you put an entirely new system in, especially a, a different system that remaining at Harbaugh's ever run, really anywhere um, in his coaching career, and you, you, you do that in the offseason, you, you're going to have some growing pains. And um, especially when you're taking guys that were largely recruited for a different kind of system. And, uh, you know, that may sound like an excuse, but so I think that's part of it. Um, they have had a little bit of injury in the right back situation, but I, I really think that it's just it's the adjustment. And it feels like when you watch Michigan, they're still sort of stuck between the kind of power old NFL spread that Harbaugh favors versus the, the new um, the new spread offense. You know, the speed and space is the offensive coordinator's best status, like to call it. You know, there hadn't been a lot of uh, – they do have some speed. It just There hadn't been a lot of speed and space. Well, talk the, about them defensively and what makes them uh, as good as they are on that, that side of the ball. Well, I think they've got um, – I mean, they, they lost several guys in the NFL last year, but they – They've still got, a, I think, a pretty formidable defensive line. I'm not sure the linebackers are quite. Kalika Hudson is, is an outside linebacker, and he's a really good player. I don't know that they've replaced Devin Bush, who plays for the Steelers right now in the middle and that kind of speed. But but up front, they're they're just about as good. They've got really good cornerbacks, um, in LeBron Hill in particular, and a, and, and a nice secondary. they got safeties that have been there for several years. So they And they're used to Don Brown's system. It's a very aggressive, man-to-man attacking system, and um, you know I think I think again they struggled a little bit early, at least the first couple of weeks, and then really found their footing against Iowa last week. Um, you know, oh, they also started. You know, they got against Wisconsin. They struggled in the gaps a little bit, and Jonathan Taylor got out and um, and hurt him a little bit. But I, I think they cleaned that up for Iowa. So we'll we'll see moving forward. Sean, this is Lauren. I'm I'm anxious to hear what you have to say about Harbaugh. I know that uh, he's uh, his record overall for his career is just fantastic, but there seems to be some unhappiness there. Uh, how is he holding up, and and has he changed any as far as you're concerned? And and uh, he's kind of a, got a unique personality. How how do you get along with him? I'm sorry, I didn't ask you. I, I didn't hear the what name did you use? Uh, forgive me, Lauren. Jim Harbaugh. I just wonder how oh, how Harbaugh. how do you his personality. What do I think of him? Yeah. He's, uh, I, I think he's um, I think he's a, a smart, interesting guy. He's a little, he's a little quirky, but I feel, I'm sorry, but I've got a, I got something on my throat there. Very sorry about that. I think, um, look, he's, he says what he thinks in a lot of ways. He, um, He's some folks. I'm sorry. Hold on one second. I'm really sorry about this. We're talking with uh, Sean Windsor. He's with the uh, Detroit Free Press on his way down to Champaign for this ball game today. Okay, sorry about that. I'm sorry. I had a little bit of a cold. No problem. And, uh, it just got me there for. It just got me there for a second. Um, 
I think the, the biggest issue with him right now, at least among the, with the fan base, is his is that he's not winning like I think they'd hoped. And what looked like kind of fun quirkiness, you know, especially on the recruiting trail the first couple of years, the sleepovers, the holding the camps of, you know, playing football with his shirt off with recruits, all that sort of stuff that people thought was just interesting. Now, um, the folks aren't as enamored with it. I, I, I like him. I like him from this standpoint. I, I think he's a straight shooter more or less. And, um, I think he cares about the program and his kids and his players, I should say. Um, you know, he's under a lot of pressure to win, but I, he, you know, he is a little bit different from some coaches, but, but that's why they, you know, uh, it's interesting when, uh, Peters was a transfer, and of course he's eligible here at Illinois. He's not going to play today, but because of an injury. But uh, when uh, when Harbaugh was asked about it, he thought he thought transfers should be allowed to transfer and become immediately eligible. And I don't think many coaches uh, are are in taking that position. But he came out very strong. I think that that was at the Big Ten meetings, wasn't it? It was, and he's doubled down on it a little bit. Actually, uh, you know, he and I are. Uh, well, I shouldn't put it that way, but I agree with him. I think when their kids, when you, and Peters is a good example, but when their kids have a real chance to go make pretty good money um, and they get stuck behind somebody, there's just so much money involved. I'm, I'm, I'm with him. I, I think kids should have a chance to have a one-time transfer. He's constant. Arbaugh is constantly trying to figure, talk about ways to figure, to get around the, um, the fact that it does feel more and more like a business. In fact, the other day, sorry about that. He was asked about the California, the likeness rule and the branding. And he said he felt like kids should be able to play one year and they go straight to the NFL. So he's always thinking like that. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, that it certainly makes sense. I mean, I, I think we're headed in, in that direction, although I don't know about the one year thing because the physical nature of football, you probably don't want to get them into the NFL any any faster than you should. But uh, no, I, I just I agree with I agree with you on that. But as far as you're concerned, uh, Harbaugh's on safe ground in Michigan. I think he is for now. I, you know, I think he's got a couple of more years. I mean, if he's going to go out and win five six games, then he would certainly be in some trouble. But uh, but I think. You know, as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, he'll be fine. It's just the expectation is there. But, look, they haven't won in a clip like Ohio State in a long, long time. And so I think that the expectations are a little bit unrealistic. And it's he recruits well, but, you know, he's not – again, it's not Ohio or, or certainly like it is down south. Um, I mean, you know, they have advantages that most of the Big Ten schools don't in some ways in the brand and the facilities. But uh, – it's a, it's a it's a tough place to win. It's a little bit like Notre Dame in that way, um, but you know with a unique kind of set of circumstances. But I, I think he's, I think he's perfectly safe for now. Hey Sean, we appreciate your time. Uh, drive carefully. We'll see you when you get down here to Memorial Stadium. Thanks a lot. Sorry about the uh, the cough there. No problem. That's Sean Windsor from uh, the Detroit Free Press coming down to cover this ball game for his publication Nine Eleven on Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a time out and be back with more after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk, everybody. Brought to you by Illini Pillow. 
14. We're with you another 10 minutes or so before our pregame coverage continues with Illini Game Day from Grange Grove. Phone line is open if you'd like to jump in here in the next uh, 10 minutes or so. 356-9397. Want to talk about uh, the baseball game last night. Just one game in the playoffs last night. Washington over St. Louis, 2-0. Annabelle Sanchez and a reliever, Sean Doolittle, with a one-hitter on the Cardinals. 2-0 was the final. Game two of that series, quick turnaround. Max Scherzer going this afternoon against Adam Wainwright of the Cardinals at 3 o'clock. Shake up those bats, Steve. you got to shake up the bats. I've got to do that, do I? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you because uh, – It's been hot or cold all year. With yeah, it, they, they go stone cold sometimes, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you're not getting anything out of Fowler, not getting anything out of DeYoung, and, of course, didn't get anything out of anybody yesterday. Uh, one pinch hit, and that's it. I, I don't know. Uh, I've said all along um, the Cardinal pitching has pretty been pretty respectable, pretty good all along. It's been pretty good. Uh, they got a good start yesterday out of Michaelis. Yeah, they did. But that team needs a shakeup. It needs a shakeup worse than the Cubs. I've, I'm, I'm convinced of that. This team, I don't know what to do. I don't know how you're going to do it, but they've got some serious problems. Well, you can't tell me it needs a shakeup and not tell me how to do it. I don't know how. I mean, you got the problem is that they're committed on these long-term contracts at shortstop and right field and carpenter, and how do you get out? Of, you can't get out of the contracts. Nobody will take those guys. You can't trade them. You can't. You just couldn't couldn't give them away hardly because nobody wants to pay them at the, what they're what they're getting now, and uh, I I don't know. You know, there, it was the weakest hitting, and, it, and Bernie Mickles told us this, and I don't. I, I take his word for it. It's the weakest hitting outfield in the National League. I mean, what do you do? And, and I mean, how do you do? They bring back Ozuna or not? Who do you play in center field? I don't know. I, they've got to find some answers, and and if they if they can't find answers, they're going to be working on that real thin margin, which they did this year, and. Of course, they, they they solved it all with all those one one run victories in Chicago at the end of the season. But basically, it came down to that. Let's go to the phones. Got a couple callers waiting. Bob and Muhammad, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, this seems to be in football the Dick Butkus weekend, and uh, I wanted to relive real quickly a story about Dick Butkus. Uh, I'm from Mendota, Illinois, so we have a connection with the Browns and some other folks down there at the U of I, but I was a senior in high school and we came down to see a game with Michigan State. I believe it was 1963. It was bitter cold. They had the big 50-gallon barrels with fire in them along the sidelines. And uh, Michigan State was a close game, I believe, and Michigan State was down on Illinois' goal line. I believe it was the south goal. And uh, it was, I believe it was fourth down and Illinois had held. And uh, Michigan State had a large uh, fullback named Eddie Cotton from uh, Texas, and uh, he uh, took the ball and jumped over the line, and Dick Butkus hit him, and it was like a Mack truck uh, hitting something in the middle of the road. He bounced backwards, and Illinois held. And that's my Dick Butkus story, uh, and uh, I don't know if anybody else remembers it or not, but it was memorable to me. I went on to play a little college football as a linebacker, and that was always sort of my uh, my my temple to go to, uh, you might say. But I thank you for your time, and I wanted to relive that Dick Butkus story. That's yeah, good stuff. And, and Thanks, you know Bob. what I remember a lot about Butkus was uh, when they get down on the, uh, the goal line on the other when Illinois is on offense, and they went had short yardage, they'd take the center out and put Butkus at center, 
he'd snap the ball and then you'd run right behind him. That's a pretty good strategy, I'd say. Let's go back to the phones. Alan in Montrose, what do you say, Alan? Hey, guys. That's a pretty good bucket story. Uh, I was awful young when that happened back then. There was no TV to watch him play. All he had was maybe a radio station here or two if he was lucky. But anyway, with the Cardinals, uh, boy, isn't it so typical how they can score 10 runs in one inning and uh, can't get a hit the next game. That's just the way their season's been, and I think it's going to end up costing them because they've really put themselves behind an eight ball with uh, Scherzer and Strasburg coming up. Well, it's a good eight ball to be behind because they're in the playoffs. <laughs> they're, they're in the final four of the playoffs. That's right. So you didn't that's, think they were going to win the World Series, did you, Alan? No, I, no, not with this offense. Uh, like I said, they're too inconsistent. But uh, next year, you guys bring up some questions about what they're going to bring back. Personally, I kind of like them bringing a student back because you don't know about Rosarina for sure, and you don't know about that rookie that they're <clears throat> talking about. And it looks like they're going to phase out uh, Martinez and O'Neill and possibly Bader. So I'd like to see him get Rendon to play third base, and you can put Edmund in now. <laughs> well, okay. And how much money you got? Because Rendon is well, going to get more money than anybody. He's unbelievable. Well, you're right, but they they have done it before. Yeah. Uh, it, it would be a good pickup, and then they could solve a lot of things. But uh, yeah, if, if we get the money back not. from Carpenter and Fowler, then we, we could maybe pay Rendon. Well, I think Carpenter's days is over with, and Fowler's pretty close, although he did make a comeback. To me, he's uh, in the lineup. Fowler is how they go, how he does. Ever since they put him in the top of the lineup, that's just how it seems to be. Okay, Alan, appreciate it. Got a couple other guys I want to get on here before we run out of time. Uh, thanks for the call. Let's go to Marty down in North Carolina. Hey, Marty, I'm sure you got an answer or two. Well, it's easy, and you may have hit it earlier in the show. Lauren, your question, your answer is easy. You go to Bill DeWitt Jr., and you say, are you willing to eat the contracts on Fowler and Carpenter? That's, that's what you're going to have to do if you want to make big changes. Bernie pointed that out a long time ago there. And so does Will Leach. This construction of the roster is the problem. Well, they won't necessarily. I mean, Carpenter would be a good utility man next year. He can play first, second, and third. I don't see anything. I mean, you're going to have to pay him anyway. You might as well keep him around to bat against right-handed pitching and and to fill in when when injuries happen. That'll work. And you need to tell Alan, I, I like a lot of his comments, but the Cardinals have never paid. 250 to 300 million to a guy to play baseball before, and I don't think they're going to start now. Oh, Rendon's out of, Rendon out of the question. Yeah, yeah, that it'd be great, but that's dreaming. Uh, I wouldn't mind if they get Ozuna cheaply, and he, he wants to stay in. He probably not, but he wants to stay in St. Louis bad enough. If he gives them a uh, a local discount, they might consider it. But they got too many outfielders coming. They're going to have to make decisions on I. I don't see him giving up cheap talent in order to pay for more. So, unfortunately, they're kind of stuck where they are. They're pitching. Let's hope some of those young guys come up and make it even stronger next year because that would help a bunch. All anyway, right, I Marty. I you got somebody else online. So, uh, thanks, guys, and uh, make it a great day. And, and uh, go align, although it might be a little tough. Well, good to hear from you. Appreciate it. Let's go to uh, John in Champaign. You're on the air with us. Go ahead, John. 
Hey, just a quick addition to the story on Butkus and the Michigan State game was the fall of 64, his senior year. And as I remember it, it was first and goal for Michigan State at the Illinois four-yard line. And Ditkus made, or Butkus made four straight tackles and kept him out of the end zone. And it was the coldest day I've ever been at a football game. <laughs> Funny how things so like that stick in your mind. Of, yeah, a lot of stories on Butkus. We were in high school over in Danville and could get into the end zone for, uh, I think, a dollar or two. And by the time he was a senior, they were selling those at full price. So <laughs> he made a difference. Yep. Hey, John, thanks. Appreciate that call. Let's go to Steve in Princeton. You're on the air. Yes, he just answered my question. Uh, the gentleman's bucket story was good, but in 1963, I remember the Michigan Illinois was to go to Michigan State, and that's when President Kennedy got assassinated. Right. And Illinois didn't know if they were going to play at Michigan State or what. I think the plane even brought the team back, and then they rescheduled it. Maybe you or Lauren remember that story. I was in the car driving in Michigan going to the game when they announced over the radio on my car radio that the game was called. I remember turning into a farmhouse lane and backing out and yeah. headed back home. But they so played it later on. That course, that's a game Duffy Doherty said if they played that day, they would Michigan State had them. They were ready. They never scored against Illinois the next week. So, but I just wanted to add that story to the legacy. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks, Steve. We appreciate the call. It is a 924. Still could squeeze another call in if you uh, are of the notion to give us a call at 356-9397. This game today has Illinois at 2-3 and three and uh, on a three-game losing streak going against Michigan at 4-1. and one. The 96th time these teams have met on the football field, and Michigan holds an overwhelming uh, lead in the series, 70 to 23, with two ties. And Michigan's played very well here at Memorial Stadium over the years, but except that first game at Memorial Stadium back in the day when Red Grange put it on them. Well, yeah, that was the first game, and and uh, here's the interesting thing about Red Grange: he played against Michigan three times, sophomore, junior, senior. I don't know about his injury status, okay? I don't, I, I, I don't know. But I know that Illinois got shut out when he was a sophomore and shut out when he was a senior. The only time they ever scored, that Grange ever scored against Michigan was that great game in 23, 39-14. Let's go back to the phones. James in Champaign. Go ahead, James. One of the things that I remember, I was in school then, was that after the 63 year, was when they changed football to two platoon football, and we went six and three the next year with Ohio State scoring in the north end zone on a tackle-eligible pass. And so once they went to two platoon football, we weren't as good as we had been the year before. That's all I got. Okay, well, thanks. We appreciate that. 925, got a couple of minutes left here before Illini game day. So Michigan is about a 24-point favorite in this game. You're getting ready to make a prediction, I can tell. No, I'm not. I, <laughs> I don't do predictions. Uh, but I will tell you that this is not a prediction. It's a fact. The last time Illinois won this series was in 2009, 38-13. Michigan's won eight of the last ten. Well, so predict on that. Well, historically, you know, Shim Beckler lost one game in all his years at, at Michigan to Illinois. He tied one also. I I think it, w it was something like 19-1-1. One and, one. and from the time that Shim Beckler got, came to Michigan, except for when they brought Rodriguez and Hoke in, which, uh, which they weren't happy. Hoke didn't lose to Illinois, by the way, but Rodriguez did. But 
uh, they, they just have been dominant over over this period of time, and and uh, it's the, the the Illinois victories have been notable and memorable, but because they're so un. Frequent, infrequent. Yeah. <laughs> well, the game in 1983, everybody remembers that. I was on, I was down on the field and got sucked up in that madness of uh, rushing the field and tearing down the goalposts, and uh, those were good times. Our pregame coverage is going to continue. What do you say we go outside? We'll go outside can't for wait, a little bit. Can't wait. It's, not, it's only 38 degrees. We're going to spend some time in Grange Grove. We'll do that with our game day coverage and our network coverage. That's it for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We appreciate you listening. Our coverage continues. After this, stay with us on DWS.